This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. I'm back, bitches. Rachel's back. Yay. Woo. She paid me to say that. You will hear me groaning at Madison's joke. I did not pay you to say that. Not yet. Venmo, five bucks. Thanks. I'm going to reject that immediately. I just want you to know that. Fair enough. Do you know what else I reject and you also reject? The new Hype House show on Netflix. Oh my God. That's a firm reject for me. It's so boring. The Hype House is a reality show about the Hype House, which is a content creator collaborative incubator house in Los Angeles where a bunch of TikTok's best and brightest, TikTok's (laughs) most popular, uh, live and and work and play. The question under best and brightest was perfect because I, I mean, importantly, this show started filming as most of the people who made Hype House famous have already moved on from Hype House. So the people that I think the broadest audience would know are Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio came from Hype House. Little Huddy, who I must confess, I had no idea who this child was until I watched the show. (laughs) Uh, Little Huddy, one-time boyfriend of Charlie D'Amelio. Yes, yes. Apparently they spent a lot of time kind of edging their fans about whether or not they would kiss on camera, which, I don't know, I gotta say if I was 15, I probably would be into that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sorry. Yeah, you absolutely would be. So, uh, what, what, do we, what do the people need to know about this show that we watch so they don't have to? Uh, well, it's eight episodes. Each episode is 30 minutes, and there nothing happens. Um, that's basically it. The, the central tension of the show is that Little Huddy, who is... The creator in the house that has the most followers, he has about 32 million followers on TikTok right now and is currently the most popular creator in the house. Well, he moves out into a different house that looks like a cheesecake factory. Chase's house is so, so sick. Um, I love it. Do you have a throne yet? A throne? Like, Loki looks like Cheesecake Factory. I don't know, I love Cheesecake Factory. So when Ryza stepped in the house, I was like, come on, give me the bread, where is it? I need the bread and butter. That is actually the only funny moment in the whole show is when someone walks in and says your house looks like a cheesecake factory. It really does. Like, yeah. Truly... Weirdly, the person who said that was not insulting him. He was like, I love Cheesecake Factory. And I was like, it only elevates the comedy. It, it you does. You love Cheesecake Factory too. No, I love Cheesecake Factory. No, I do love Cheesecake Factory, but the decor is atrocious. Why are we pretending anything else? <laughs> the cheesecake, immaculate. <laughs> I'm just there for an oversized chicken piccata. Anyway, so Little Huddy has moved out, which creates an issue for the remaining content creators because all the brand deals that the Hype House gets collectively to pay the rent for the titular Hype House 
is based off of videos they make under the Hype House account. And apparently, despite the fact no one is paying rent to live in this mansion, none of them want to post any content under the Hype House account. And so the dad slash manager of this group is just spending the entire eight episodes trying to get these kids to basically do the only thing <laughs> they're supposed to be doing and not being able to do it. When when Rachel says the dad of the house, she means Thomas Petro, who is 23 years old, just to yeah, be clear. <laughs> to be clear, they're all children. Honestly, the thing the show suffers from for me is that there is no editorialization. Like, you and I are two people who... We enjoy this world. The way this is presented is so boring. There's no editorialization. Like, I want the David Attenborough of influencers calmly in a British accent explaining to me, like, ah, uh, yes, the hype house in their natural habitat. That's why they're <laughs> full of shit. That's a sumo wrestler coming to fight one of them. That's racist. Like, they just, they're allowed to just be and do unchecked in a way that is so unsatisfying because they're both boring and disgusting. That is completely true. And I think the lack of editorialization really makes it hard to connect to any of these people if you aren't already caught up on their kind of intimate drama. Like we said, we watched this thing, so you don't have to. Rachel watched more of it. Uh, take our word for it. The interesting clips will make their way on a Twitter, I swear to God. Now that we've talked uh, more than anybody should talk about uh, Hype House on Netflix, let's get into what the internet actually cares about this week. He's red. He's furry. Clifford? All right, so we're talking Elmo. We even got a voice memo from a listener about why the fuck is Elmo blowing up on the internet? Alana, take it away. Hi, ICYMI. I'm just calling to ask about the recent onslaught of Elmo memes that I keep seeing on TikTok and Twitter. Um, so a few weeks ago, I saw the plastic water bottle and a paper towel roll Elmo meme on TikTok. But now on Twitter, I keep seeing these like Elmo hating Rocco videos of like Elmo screaming at a rock. Um, if you could explain why all of a sudden... Elmo is in my feed. It would be much appreciated. Love the pod. Bye. We love you, Alana. We really do. And what I think this means is uh, it's time for a red receipt segment. Yeah, it is time for a read receipt segment. Rachel, I'm sorry. Can we rewind the tape? What were those words you used to describe Elmo? Oh those my adjectives? god. No, yeah. no, uh-huh. no. Red that is receipt. Not, no. Red yeah. receipt. No. Case closed. We're not. That's not the point here. Anyway, this cute, fuzzy, red Muppet? He's a Muppet? Muppet. I didn't know that he was a Muppet until this this show. But he's been all over Twitter and TikTok. On the show today, we'll be talking about Elmo's recent viral moment, the most recent of many viral moments, his history as a meme, and as a member of the Black community. No, that last part is not a joke. We'll be back with this red receipt after a quick break. Hi, 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back with another installment of Read Receipts. I want to see the receipts. He's red, Rachel. Anyway, we're back with Elmo. But not, we don't actually have him in the studio. I'm sorry, we're not that famous. I wish we did. That would be so fun. It would be, but we don't have that kind of money. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That shit's copyrighted. I will not even be doing an impersonation because I think I could be sued. (laughs) Also, because I was doing an impersonation over Christmas and my sister told me I sounded nothing like Elmo. I really thought I did, but apparently I didn't. So, Rachel, where does the Elmo love begin? In our childhood. Do you not remember this? Oh, (laughs) you're so funny. In recent internet history, (laughs) where does the Elmo love begin? So Elmo, I think, goes viral every few years. I think one of the recent iterations I love the most is, you know, the gif of him where his arms are kind of raised and there's just fire behind him and it's like, Yes, chaos! Yes, I am very much familiar with that gif. Frankly, it's become a little too on the nose as the years have gone by, but that's not Mm -hmm. Elmo's fault. It's not. But the cycle we're talking about does not begin with that gif. It begins in December of 2021, a different time. We're going to offer the usual caveat we do that it's kind of hard to pinpoint the beginning of a trend, but it looks like this one began on TikTok when user Chelsea Volt uploaded this video on December 13th with the caption, why does Elmo sound so sassy? Oatmeal container, a wooden bowl, a plastic water bottle, and a paper towel roll. <laughs> I just, it didn't have to go that hard. It really didn't. Like, Elmo is clearly enjoying himself. And more importantly, the internet is clearly enjoying Elmo enjoying himself because this video currently has 5.6 million views. It's been shared more than 75K times. And importantly, I think this offers a clue as to why exactly Chelsea decided to upload it. It's hashtagged moms of TikTok. So while I have no evidence of this, I think this started because a mom who happened to be online was watching Sesame Street with her children, saw this, was like, this is fucking hilarious, decided to upload it, and now we're here. If that's not true, I'm sorry, Chelsea, but also the poor cropping in the original video really makes me think that I'm right. (laughs) All right. Rachel is taking off her tinfoil conspiracy hat, (laughs) and we're moving a little bit forward in time to about five days later on December 18th, where Twitter user at Grim Girlfriend tweets the same clip, presumably after seeing it on TikTok and downloading it, uh, to tweet, who among us, uh, with the (laughs) caption, this has been making me lose my shit for days. Why does he say paper towel roll like that? All caps. That video currently has 2.2 million views and over 160K likes. This clip prompted a very funny kind of collective remembering of all the wild shit that Elmo has ever said. And I think it's because most of the people who are sharing these clips haven't watched Sesame Street in years. And when we think about Sesame Street, we're like, wow, pure, cute, teaching me about letters. But... Elmo was shady as shit and also funny as hell. (laughs) Okay, tell me more, because I really only remembered the letters and the count. 
Okay, so another thing that has gone viral, Elmo's long-running feud with Zoe's pet rock named Rocco. In case you, like me, are perhaps a little rusty on your uh, Sesame Street cinematic universe, Zoe is an orange Muppet who was introduced in the early 90s. That's Elmo's favorite! Mm. Oh, Gabby, can Elmo have an oatmeal raisin cookie instead, please? Oh, gee, Elmo, that was my last one. Oh, that's okay, Gabby. Elmo will just take this one. No, 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 wait, wait, Elmo. What? Rocco says that he wants the oatmeal raisin cookie. Rocco? Rocco's a rock, Zoe! Rocco won't know the difference! Yes, he will. <laughs> you can't have that cookie, Elmo. Rocco wants to eat it. How? How is Rocco going to eat that cookie, Zoe? Tell Elmo. Rocco doesn't even have a mouth. Rocco's just a rock. Rocco's not alive. <laughs> okay, Elmo's a bully. I'm sorry. It's honestly just Elmo screaming Rocco's not alive. <laughs> it gets me. Just to recap. Briefly, I know this is a show for children. <laughs> Elmo is yelling at his friend Zoe because Zoe has given a cookie to her pet rock and Elmo wants the cookie. <laughs> there are multiple videos of Elmo feuding with Rocco to the point that the official Elmo account, there is a verified Elmo account on Twitter, has to get in on this and tweets, Don't worry, everybody. Elmo and Zoe practice sharing and are still best buds forever. Elmo loves you, Zoe. Elmo doesn't want to talk about Rocco. And then follows up with, has anybody ever seen a rock eat a cookie? Elmo is just curious. Savage. Like I said, Elmo's a bully. Elmo is savage. (laughs) Which I personally love. Another thing I love is the way that this puppet says balsamic vinegar. Right, because it's gross stuff. But it tastes good when it's put out together. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Onions. Garlic. Onions, garlic, celery, balsamic vinegar. Tomato paste. That's a big word for Elmo. That's Elmo doing a cooking segment with Jimmy Fallon. And this, importantly, this is the, actually the first part of the Elmo trend that I saw organically, as in it came across my FYP on TikTok, because a lot of people, specifically Black people, and specifically Black people from New York, have, mm, shall I say, identified with the way Elmo says vinegar. After the break, we're going to get into how Black TikTok and Twitter have claimed Elmo for themselves and answer the incredibly important question of whether Elmo owns a Black puffer jacket. Hi, just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out any new listeners who may have joined us here in the year 2022. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling... uh, Great that you're here. I love Taylor Swift. And this is my uh, my welcome, not Rachel's, so I get to do what I want. Uh, in case this is your first episode, we come out twice a week, so be sure to check us out on Wednesdays, too. And if you want to listen back a little, last Wednesday we interviewed Vax Daddy. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, come listen, and you'll know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, I'm back. I got my various ingredients, including you know what. Rachel, explain. (laughs) 
So I think the balsamic vinegar audio is where the Elmo trend fully diverged between black and white internet spaces. If you go to the audio on TikTok right now, it's being used in two very different ways. And in fact, I think most of the videos before, I'm going to say before January 3rd, were mostly black people. And now it's, it's come become more multiracial and less funny. White people are mostly just using it to lip sync, which, you know, that's TikTok is what everyone does. Black people, however, are using with captions like, when you slip up code switching at work. And when he says balsamic vinegar going from like your cute little work fit to like your street clothes. Or just captioning, Elmo is a Bronx bitch. Argue with your mama. Or Elmo got his black puffer on. Which, unfortunately, I have to explain the joke. I think every black New York native has a black puffer jacket, which is just like the, the puffy jacket you wear when it's cold outside. And... People have glommed on to this because Elmo is very clearly and canonically black. A fact that has been noticed not just because his accent, but I mean, look at him. Look at his mother. Even John Oliver noticed that she has 4C curls. And John Oliver is a white man from the UK. So if he knows, then all of y'all should know. Quick shout out to Elmo's mom there. She's going through some shit, but she still managed to get her hair up in two strand twists before she went to bed the night before. She's taking care of herself and protecting those edges. Drop the routine, May. Post a shelfie on the gram. What are your holy grail products? Patent Beauty? Shea Moisture? Well, you're still rocking it old school with a bottle of pink oil and a jar of jam. I see you, Elmo's mom. The, the, the okay, pink oil? Whoever wrote this, reveal the yourself. Jam? <laughs> oh. All of those are black hair care brands, importantly, but also shout out to whatever black woman is riding on John Oliver right now. I love you. It's canon. Simply canon. And while this canon is mostly at this point conjecture and deep feeling, there's actual evidence that supports the fact that Elmo is a member of the African diaspora. Correct, Madison? Yes, because while you finished the Hype House series, I moved on uh, and watched a new documentary on HBO Max. Thank you, Mom, for the login. Uh, called Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. Uh, did it make me cry? Yes, yes, like a little baby. Interestingly enough, and perhaps not surprisingly, for reasons we'll get into in a little bit, Elmo actually isn't in this documentary. Sesame Street started in 1969, and Elmo wasn't introduced until the 80s. So this doc really focuses on, like, early days getting Sesame Street off the ground. Um, This is the point where I start crying, because Sesame Street was really revolutionary television, which seems, like, very silly to say now, but educational television for kids back then did not exist. Like, you don't get today's TV without the groundwork that Sesame Street laid. Like, you don't get Backyard Against Bops without Kermit the Frog singing about how it's uh, not that easy being green. It's not easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves Here's where I cried some more. Tell me more as you cry. And of course, that song was never actually about literally being green. Sesame Street made a bunch of very conscious choices to try to attract an audience of city kids, especially black kids. The cast of human actors and puppets they put in the Sesame Street gang and on that screen really reflect the audience that they were trying to target and attract to the show. We weren't so worried about reaching middle-class children. But we really, really wanted to reach inner city kids badly. It was 
hardly worth doing if we didn't reach them. We hope that every child in the country watches it, but we do make a particular effort to be sure that children from minority communities and low-income communities watch the program. So Evelyn worked to try to reach every parent, caretaker. Wow, I'm emotional just at that clip. But I mean, that's why it's a city street, right? Instead of a suburban neighborhood like in Caillou, where the backyard begins. Yeah, exactly. So I believe the woman speaking there is Joan Gans Cooney, who uh, was one of the like founding creators of Sesame Street. Uh, but I do want to point out she name checks a woman named Evelyn P. Davis, uh, who founded the New York Coalition of 100 Black Women and did like work on the ground of actually getting the target audience, those black families in cities, to watch Sesame Street. Would watch a whole documentary about her. And frankly, this was one of the frustrations I had watching the Sesame Street doc is they don't mm. they don't ever really grapple with we made all of these really intentional choices on what we put on screen and who we put on screen. But behind the scenes, everyone in charge is white. Except for Elmo. Except for Elmo. <laughs> and, <laughs> and plenty of other people in the cast. The short of it is, I learned a lot watching this documentary. I wanted, similar to my high pass complaint, I wanted a little more interrogation of uh, <laughs> the system itself. But, you know, what can you expect? Because do you know who owns Sesame Street now? Yeah, I remember when this came out, I was so upset. It's HBO, isn't it? Oh, and they did the... Uh-huh, yes. So the Sesame Street documentary is brought to you by the people who bring you Sesame Street. Okay, yeah. So this this is very important context. But going back to Elmo, fast forward to the 80s is around when Elmo appears on the block. And he was originally voiced, puppeted? Puppeted. Portrayed by a puppeteer. Anyway, the man was black. His name was Kevin Clash, and he pulled Elmo strings because I don't, I, I don't like any of those verbs we just used. From 1985 to 2012, which is a, a very long time. It is. The thing we need to note is that Clash no longer voices Elmo because of sexual abuse allegations that were later dismissed as all of the charges were filed after the statute of limitations has passed. Uh, so Clash is no longer associated with Sesame Street or Elmo, but some some real darkness there. Yes. Uh, Clash's voice and his mannerisms and his dialect, he, he made his blackness a part of the character. And he said that in interviews before that he felt that was very important. And what that means is that for majority of the people who are making these TikToks, for people like me and Madison, we grew up with an Elmo that was, for all intents and purposes, black. He's now voiced by a white man, Ryan Dillon, but definitely still has a lot of the character that his original puppeteer infused him with, which adds a really interesting wrinkle. I'm curious if you think this was the right move for Sesame Street or if they should have cast a black man to do the same mannerisms or or another black person to take on, can you change Elmo? I guess that's the question is like, could Elmo have a new and distinct way of speaking? I don't think so. I think Elmo as a character remaining static is important generally to the vibe of the show. Like Big Bird is eternally six, even though he has been around since... 1969. Oh, oh, there's a scene in that documentary where Big Bird sings at Jim Henson's funeral. And <laughs> oh, wait, that's so sad. Don't no, we have a recording? Stop making me try to cry. But I, I do think I don't think it's cut and dry. And a lot of the conversations that I've seen around Ryan 
Dylan voicing Elmo have been fairly nuanced in kind of raising the question of what it means for him to take over this role that is imbued with a lot of Kevin Clash's characteristics. I don't think there's an easy answer. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's wrong. I think that it does add like an interesting perspective to the conversation, considering that this character is one that Black people on the internet and in real life have definitely felt a kinship with and continue to based on the tweets that started coming out after all this TikTok audio ran around the internet. Jamal Jordan tweeted, this is my favorite, this is my favorite tweet. I know Elmo is black because I read on Wikipedia that some people refer to him as Little Red Menace, which is definitely a racial slur on the Sesame Street <laughs> cinematic universe. <laughs> yes. Rachel, I have to ask, because I'm kind of surprised we haven't talked about this yet. Did you watch Sesame Street growing up? I did, but I have to say, in preparation for this episode, I texted my mom to confirm this, and she uh, she said, yeah, you watch Sesame Street, but honestly, we tried to get you to watch more of it, but like, Barney had an absolute death grip over me, apparently. <laughs> I love you. You do love me. We're one big family. I did watch Sesame Street. It was definitely rotation along with like Bear in the Big Blue House and like Out of the Box and uh, Between the Lions. I love Between the Lions. But do you remember the movie The Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland? Because I for sure wore that VH tape out. <laughs> like, I watched that movie so many goddamn times. In fact, I'm pretty sure Vanessa Williams is in it, which is Yet another confirmation that Elmo is black because Vanessa Williams is an icon in the black community. The black communities. There are multiple. Have I seen this movie? Do you know who else is in that movie? Mandy Patinkin. Of course I've seen this movie. Oh my God. I love him. I have one more request before we go. Please do the Elmo voice, Madison. <clears throat> please, 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 please. <laughs> Yeah, getting me canceled on the second episode of the year. All right. Oatmeal <laughs> container, a wooden bowl, a plastic water bottle, and a paper towel roll. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It's the best way to make sure that you never miss an episode or a terrible impression, because who are we kidding? There will be more. Leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. You can also now leave ratings on Spotify. Tell a friend about us. Tell your children about us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at ICYMI underscore pod, which is where you can DM us your questions. Uh, we read them all. And our email, as always, is ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. We're edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. Amber Smith is senior manager of podcast audio development. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcast. See you online. Or on Sesame Street. Of whether Black, black Elmo. <laughs> Elmo. That's almost what I said. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 
Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.